I'm really excited about today. I'm excited for all of you too because also when you come to church when it's this cold outside, you get special points in heaven. So just so you know, there's angels up there and they're, 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 they're tallying up who's coming to church today and who's staying at home. And so, you know, you guys made it. So good for you. But also though, I'm really excited too because I'm excited for some of you this morning that I believe there will be a transformation that might take place. Um, hopefully due to the message, but also maybe as we head into a time of worship. So expect that. Amen? And so what we're doing today is we're going to end our, our sermon series on greater things. And then next week we're going to kind of continue the same series though. Today we're going to kind of segue into the next series we're starting, which is going to be a study on our identity, our identity in Christ. Because I think that dreaming big and trusting God, right, that's kind of been the, the theme for the past three weeks. We talked about dreaming big, trusting God. Last week we talked about um, carrying out our dreams despite our past. But I think all of this uh, can be tied to understanding our identity in the kingdom. If we don't have a handle on who we were created to be, on the plans and the dreams that God has for us, then we will not have a handle on how to join him on dreaming big and trusting him in the process of seeing those dreams come to pass. If we don't have a handle on our identity, we're not going to have a handle on these dreams that God has for us. Amen? And so, so here's the thing. What we're going to talk about today is the struggle. The struggle to achieve a dream. Because when it comes to achieving dreams, the struggles that we face are, weird, are, are real. The struggle is real. Um, dreams are not easy to accomplish. When we set out to to uh, a dream that we believe we have or even a dream that God gave us, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be, and there should be those moments where you step back and kind of say, all right, am I still on point with this? Do I need to adjust some things? Do I need to, to maybe, do I need to add some more people to this or remove some people from this, Right? Some people that are, that are a part of this dream that I'm, I believe God has given me. There's, there's things that we need to do, adjustments that we need to make along the way. And there will be opposition. There will be challenges. When it comes to dreams, think of a famous American, right? Tomorrow, January 15th, every year, we honor this person, Martin Luther King. He had a dream, right? He had a dream that people would be judged based, no longer be judged based on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. He had a dream that people of all nationalities, all walks of life, all creeds, could live together as brothers and sisters. Amen. And the dream, the struggle for his dream was so real, he was assassinated for it. Like, like how, does that, how does that make sense? Help me make that make sense. Like that is a biblical dream that we achieve, should achieve here in this church and will be a reality in heaven. 
So we should all strive to be a part of the dream Martin Luther King once had. So the struggle for that dream was so real, his life was lost for that. Let's go back even further to a group of people in a country called England. They had a dream. They had a dream to, to create a new country in search of religious freedom. What was going on was that the government and the church became one, and it became very oppressive. And so a group of people uh, set out in the, in the year 1620, 100 or so of them, 102, I think, got aboard this ship called the Mayflower, and they set sail to start a new country. And here we have the United States of America. But with that dream was many struggles. That was not an easy dream to achieve. But because of that dream, we live in a country that is known to be the freest country on the planet. We can say things about leaders. We can do things that we want. We, we tout the, the, the that's, that, those are my rights. You know, we, we, we do things that if you're in another country, there's no way you could do. We live in a country where there is religious freedom. And that was a dream that was a struggle for others, but it was an accomplishment. Dreams are going to have struggles, especially the dreams that God puts on our hearts. And I think it's fair to say that God intentionally allows certain struggles to come our way when achieving the dreams and plans that he has for us. And I say this because God is far more interested in who we become here on this earth than the achievements we accomplish. Right? God is far more interested in the person we become during the journey than the accomplishments we acquire along the way. The person we become, the character of our being, is what goes with us into eternity, is what goes with us into heaven, not our list of accomplishments. And even though we may achieve great things here on this earth, it is who we become in the process that God is looking for. Our character in Christ, that is the deeper purpose for the dreams that God has for us to carry out. And I say that because in Romans chapter 5, I believe solidifies that. Listen to this, Romans chapter 5 verse 2. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A plea. Wait, is that right? Oh, that's Ephesians chapter 5. Right. Stop it, Elric. I can hear you laughing up here. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has, you know, it's funny. When you're reading, when you're, reading you're like, what in the heck am I reading? <laughs> All right. Romans chapter 5, verse 2, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Amen? So there it is. 
We're going to have problems. We're going to have trials. We're going to have opposition. We're going to have obstacles to overcome when God puts a dream on our heart because he's looking at the person we are. That's the deeper part of all of this. And so we started with a, a man who had a dream in the 60s, and then we went all the way back to the year 1600, and now we're going to go further back. And we're going to look at an interesting character in the Old Testament by the name of Jacob. Now, one night, God gave Jacob a dream, and he laid out the path he had for Jacob's life in this dream. So we're going to read this in Genesis chapter 28. I'm going to start in verse 10, and we're going to read this, and then as we go up, I'll put a little bit of context to the story. Genesis 28, verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. He began writing a song. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> at the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north, and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway of of heaven. Isn't that? That's a pretty crazy dream, right? There's a lot in there. I, I, if I had a dream like that, I would, I mean, I mean, that, that is just amazing. From Jacob and the ground he is lying on will come a nation of people. That's what God was telling him. The nation of Israel would come from Jacob. Later on in Jacob's story, you can read, I, I would encourage you to read that. It's in Genesis right there. It starts a few chapters early and goes many chapters after. Jacob has 12 sons, and those 12 sons represent the 12 tribes of Israel. This is a very important dream that God gave Jacob. But look at the promise he has in verse 15. Jake, God tells Jacob, in the midst of all this dream, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Now, for me, I've had God give me dreams. I've had God speak to me. I, I write them down. I take notes. I, I think about it. I pray about it. I talk to God about it. I meditate to him about it. But when God says something like this to me, there is some weight to it. And here's what it tells me. It means that what I believe God is having me do, a dream that he's given me, a plan that he's given me, something he wants me to do in his name, and he follows it up with something like that, there's going to be some opposition. 
there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be some hardships along the way. Why? Because God wants me to know he's going to be with me in this. This isn't going to be easy. And I want to give you a promise that you will hold on to. So when I hear something like this, I immediately, I put it in my phone, I jot it down, I date it, and when things start getting rocky, I, I, I meditate on that. I say, God, am, where am I at? Where are we at right now? Like, what is going on? You, you, I believe that you have me set out to do this. There's some hard times I'm dealing with. Are you in this with me? And then I wait and see where he's at and listen to his voice. And I believe, Jacob, we'll, we'll get into Jacob's character a little bit here, but I believe there was a reason God gave him this promise in the midst of this dream. Jacob, this is not going to be easy, but I'm going to be with you. Now, I don't know how much Jacob fully understood about this dream and what was to take place, but he has this promise. He has this promise from God to hold on to through all the struggles and the tension during the process of seeing this dream come to fruition. Now, there's a lot to unpack in this dream. There's also a lot in Jacob's story. And so for the sake of time, we can only kind of hit on a few highlights. But just so we all know, a little something about Jacob. Jacob was not without his flaws. All right? Part of his story is that he had a twin brother by the name of Esau that he was constantly at odds with. Now, during childbirth, Esau was the older twin. During childbirth, Jacob had grabbed Esau's heel while his mother was trying to give birth to him. They were at each other from childbirth. And, and, and earlier, earlier in uh, the chapter before what we just read, there's another little source of contention. This is, this is you know... There's a little dysfunction in Jacob's family. So his father, Isaac, if, if you're familiar with the Bible, God often refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and then later on, Jacob. So Isaac is a, is a key player in God's plan here in the Old Testament, Jacob's father. Isaac is getting old, he's aging, he can't see really well, and he says to Esau, the older brother, I want to give you the blessing I want to bless you with the birthright that is yours to give. So, so go out, Esau was a hunter, go out, you know, get an animal, come back, you know, cook a big stew, and I'll bless you. Well, Rebecca, Isaac's husband, uh, wife, mom, hears this. She says to Jacob, your brother is about to receive his blessing. You need to go in there to your father. Trick him into thinking that you're Esau. I'll cook a stew up, and you'll get the blessing. I mean, is that, is that fair? Is that, can, can we use the word dysfunctional there? Like, like, we know that moms have favorites, right? When they have more than one child. Because every single, each one of them is their favorite. They, they say that to all of them. I caught on to that, mom. I caught on to that early on. But in my heart, I still know I was the favorite. But then as we got more siblings, they would say, I'm the favorite. And then it was like, I don't know, who's the favorite? But Jacob was to receive. Now, here's, a, here's another thing I was thinking. Wouldn't you think this would be like a big family gathering? I'm about to bless your older brother with his birthright. 
But Isaac doesn't do that. He, he says, hey, go, go get an animal. Let's do this. So mom says to uh, uh, Jacob, go in there and trick your father. And I'll, I'll do the stew. He won't know. And you'll receive the blessing. Now, another question I have is, well, how come we can't just take the blessing away? See, this happened. Jacob received the birthright blessing that his older brother should have gotten. So Esau comes back. He finds out that Jacob stole his blessing. He's furious. He vows to kill Jacob. Isaac finds out about all this. Everybody's upset. There's big family, you know, probably argument. Why can't you just take the blessing away? I don't know. It seems to me he gave it. He could take it, but whatever. That's how the rules were written. So uh, Isaac tells Jacob, listen, go. You better go because your brother's a little upset with you. Go live with your uncle Laban. Laban. And so that's what he does. And that's where we're at in this story here. Now, a little something about Jacob. His name means deceiver, manipulator. That's what Jacob's name means. And he definitely lived up to the identity of his name. And yet, this was the man God chose to be the patriarch for the nation of Israel. Interesting. Right? So after this dream, you can read about there's many more adventures that Jacob has in his life. And, and in these adventures, we can see that Jacob is quite the con artist. And he's pretty good at it. He's not the most honest person. But fast forward to chapter 32. So in between chapters 28 and 32, there's a lot of stuff that Jacob does. And it's a very interesting story. I would encourage you to read it. Especially since we're doing our Bible reading plan. You pick one up out there on the, on the uh, welcome table. But Jacob, in, in verse, uh, chapter 32, he wants to make peace with his brother Esau. All right? He's like, I, I, I need to talk to Esau. We need to get this ironed out. And, and so, this is me thinking. I'm, I'm thinking about this story. I'm kind of meditating on this. And I, I'm thinking that maybe at this point in Jacob's life, he's like many of us were, or maybe even are. When we came to Jesus, I'm really done with what I've been doing with my life. I've got unrest. I don't feel at peace inside. I need something bigger than myself. And we realize it's Jesus that we need, right? So, so Jacob, Jacob, you know, he's a guy that I, I picture sets out with the best of intentions, but then he's constantly scheming people. He constantly finds himself in these positions where he's, he's got to get the upper hand on somebody or he's always got to outmaneuver somebody to get what he wants out of life. And I'm thinking that maybe he's kind of tired of this because you can't do that forever, right? You can only do that for so long and sooner, sooner or later just all that stuff just kind of adds on to what you're carrying through life. And so now maybe he wants some stability or something. You know, I don't know. Maybe some normality. And he says, I'm going to make amends with my brother Esau. I'm going to get some peace with my brother. This, this is a good starting point. And so the night before he and Esau are to meet, Jacob has a very strange encounter. Now, you know, what I just said is just things that I think about with Jacob. I don't know if that's the case or not, but I'm, I'm just kind of thinking out loud and sharing that with you. So now, he's setting out the night before, and he's, he's already like sent gifts and livestock and all kinds of things to Esau, and he's going to have this big sit-down with Esau. 
And here we are in chapter 32, Genesis 32, verse 22. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two servant wives. You think maybe that could be a little part of his problem too? Just as a side note, just because Jacob had four wives doesn't mean that God is okay with that. All right? <laughs> it is one man, one woman, come together, they form a family. That's how God did it in the beginning. Jesus even referred to that as well. So Jacob, he's, he's got a lot going against him here. He might have thought that was a good idea. All right, so he takes all of his wives and his 11 children, his 11 sons, and he crosses the Jebok River. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. Everything he's got, he sends over. This left Jacob alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. Jacob, he says. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with both God and men and won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life was spared. You know, Jacob's a messed up guy, but God sees past all of that and sees the person that we can become. Thank God for that, right? This is crazy stuff. You know, I always tell people that they want to get involved in other, like, spiritual stuff or, or other, you know, maybe New Age stuff or, or whatever because they think the Bible is just, it's just, it's just for people that need a list of rules. Why don't you read the Bible and find out how crazy it is? This is crazy stuff, and I believe every word of it. But how many of us, how many of us would agree, all right, that the root of some of or a lot of our problems is really our struggle with God. Like, listen to this. In other words, it's this. We want to be in control. We want to call the shots. We want to dictate our destiny. We don't want to change who we are. When the reality is, God is the one who is in control. God is the one who leads us through life. God is the one who changes us. Remember when you first came to Jesus, those of you that believe in Jesus, and these things started happening inside of you, and you're like, I don't know what's going on. I am changing, and you're becoming a better person. See, when we begin wrestling this out with God, we, we, we might even wonder, like, why is life so difficult? Why does God seem to not love me? Why am I, I, I having all of these struggles? Here's the deal. God loves us too much to allow us to stay the way we are. 
Jacob was what we would call a hot mess. He was a mess. But he had a personal encounter with God that night. And on that night, he wrestled with God. Wrestled with God. Think about that. And a transformation took place with Jacob. We cannot invite Jesus into our lives and expect to stay the same person. That is not how it works. And this is where the tension of the gospel comes into play. There is tension in the scriptures that we have to wrestle out with sometimes. Jesus loves us unconditionally, and I am so thankful for that because he's the only one that sees past my flaws. We all see the flaws in everybody else, right? Jesus sees past that and sees the person we can become. But the truth of the gospel causes us to face the reality of who we were created to be. See, in this book is a message of both love and truth. But a message of, of, of only love is a dangerous message to preach. And a message of only truth is a dangerous message to preach. It must be a message spoken of love and truth. The truth must be preached in love. You can't have one without the other and expect somebody to change. Amen? That's the gospel. And that love and truth together causes tension within us as God begins to transform us into the person he knows we can be, the person he created us to be. And until we realize God is in charge, we're not going to be ready for the dreams he has for us. For instance, how many of us start the day or start a dream or start a plan or something and we say, I sure hope you're in this, God. Well, I don't know if he is then. Is he? Because you don't know. I would rather lay a plan or a dream out, say, God, is, are you in this? Is this something you want me to do? And then wait and see. Listen for his voice. See where things line up. Is God in it? And then if he is, follow his lead. When you say, I sure hope you're in this, God, you're expecting him to follow your lead, and that's not how it works. But again, this is where the tension, this is where the struggle, this is where the wrestling match with God begins. And it is in this tension, God will test our faith to see where the commitment level is with him. Jacob wrestled with God all night and wouldn't let go until he received his blessing. How's that for commitment? That kind of reminds me of Galatians chapter uh, 6, verse 9. It's a little bit of a stretch, but you'll see where I'm going with this. That verse says, let's not get tired of doing what is good, for at just the right time we will reap we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. How many of you have gone through life, you're doing all the right things, you, you feel this transformation taking place, you begin, you begin doing the things that you're reading about in the Bible, you feel good about it, 
You, you come to church more, you join a life group, you do things you wouldn't normally do, you begin tithing. You begin doing all these things that, that are new to you. But then you see people around you doing the exact opposite and their life seems to be a success and you're struggling. This is the promise I hold on to. At just the right time, don't ever give up doing what is good. For at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. That is an underlying theme in the Bible. Don't ever give up. Never, ever give up. Jacob wrestled with God, and he would not give up. He didn't give up. And somewhere along the, the, the line, somewhere along in the night there, I've got to believe that Jacob said to himself, this is no ordinary man. I don't know what's happening here. And then when the man realized that Jacob wasn't going to give up, what did he do? He touched his hip and wrenched it out of the socket. He just touched it. And Jacob's like, oh. And then in verse 31, it says, Jacob went away that night limping. He never walked the same again. Now, sidetrack a little bit. The founder of the vineyard, John Wimber, he has a lot of what we call Wimberisms. And, and some of them are what? Everybody gets to play. Uh, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Now, he's got, there, there's, there's a lot of them. And, and a lot of them became the, the vineyard's uh, uh, visions and values. But he has one. He says this. Never trust a leader without a limp. Interesting. Never trust a leader without a limp. He's talking about pastors. But a pastor or a leader, they face many struggles, tensions, and the battlefield. They've been on the battlefield of carrying out God's dream for them. And they are leaders who trust and depend entirely on God to see them through each process in life and to see what's coming next. They've been changed by God and some of them limp along knowing that the only way to get to the next phase that God has for them is to be totally dependent on Him. And that's a leader we can follow. But then in verse 26, Jacob is determined to receive a blessing from this man. Now, at this point, I have a sneaking suspicion that Jacob knows who this is. Like, this is not an ordinary man. I don't know what's going on here. But then the man asked Jacob his name. It's, this is God. He knows Jacob's name. What's your name? Jacob, he replies. Well, from now on, you will be called Israel. And it is at that moment that Jacob receives his blessing. See, when we are committed to receiving all that God has for us, when we are committed, we won't let go, no matter how hard it gets, no matter the struggle, no matter the tension, and we won't let go. A transformation process takes place, and we will not be the same person we once were. We now walk in the identity of who we were created in Christ to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, says this. Since you have heard about Jesus, 
and have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That is what a new person in Christ looks like. See, the moment we commit our lives to Jesus and we allow the tension of the gospel to renew within us a clean heart, a right spirit with God, we will never be the same. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ will rock us to the core and we will never be the same. And you know what? Regardless of the tensions and the struggles and the hardships, we will continue to want all that Jesus has for us. Because there's something about a relationship with Jesus that keeps us close to him. Those of us that have really, really experienced it. We welcome the tension of a changed life. And we step into the struggle of carrying out the dreams that God has for us. Some of us, we're walking through life with a limp. And we know that limp comes from the blessings of God Almighty and an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. Jacob's identity was changed the night he wrestled with God. Jacob's commitment to not let go and hang on, I think, was proof that he no longer wanted to be identified as a deceiver. He was looking for a change. And he was ready to take on the new identity that God was calling him into. And he will now be known as Israel. And in the context of Jacob's new name, Israel means because you have fought with both men and God and won. After this, when God introduces himself to people, he refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is the patriarch of the nation of Israel. And it's interesting to note that despite Jacob's character, God chose him to be the patriarch of a nation that bears his name to this very day. We would, we would look at Jacob and say, why on earth would God choose him? Because God saw past the sinful nature of Jacob and who he knew Jacob could be if he would step into his new identity. And that's what he did. And, and sometimes I have to wonder myself, like, like how much of Jacob's story had to do with his commitment to not let go of God and embrace the attention of a new identity. How much of our story is a part of our commitment to not let go of Jesus and embrace the new identity that he has for us? Jacob's story, it still has many twists and turns, lots of drama, but he remained committed to God, and that's the most important part. God saw Jacob's potential to carry out the dream, and Jacob pressed into that. He embraced his new identity in the kingdom. So we'll bring everything to a close with this. We all need to dream and seek the dreams that God has for us. 
dream with him and trust him in the process. You know, I've had what I thought were God dreams, and, and somewhere along the line it turned out that maybe they weren't. And I'm not too sure who pulled out first, me or him. You know, like maybe, maybe I was just kind of going on my own. I don't know. But here's what I always do. I always just say, well, that wasn't what God had for me. So what's the next thing? I don't get discouraged. I just continue to move on. I press into what it is that I think God has for me. And, I, and I, I, I've learned to keep a thankful heart, no matter how hard life gets. Always remain thankful for Jesus. Listen for promises, also, like the one that he gave Jacob. If there's a promise like that in there, expect the struggles, expect some tension, but I guarantee you, you're hearing from God. When God gives us a dream, along with a, a promise of protection or, or seeing that dream come to fruition, it is up to us to embrace that tension and the struggles that will come with that dream. We can embrace it, or we can walk away from it. And we may even find ourselves wrestling with God. And if we do, don't let go until you have received your blessing. Never give up. But realize this, God does his deepest work in us when our identity lines up with who he sees us as, who we were created to be, not how we see ourselves, not who we think we are, but who we know we are in Jesus. So we'll, we'll, I'll leave you with this verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen? Let's pray. I thank you for the dreams you've given us, God. I thank you for some of us in this room that, that maybe we just had some clarity of what we think you want us to do. For some of us in this room, Lord God, or maybe even watching online, that, that may be saying to themselves, I think I'm going through a transformation process. Or maybe you're saying to yourself, I think I'm wrestling this out with God right now. And wherever you're at, here's what, here's what I want to encourage you. As we head into a time of worship, seek the face of God. Hold on to him as tight as you can.